The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wow. Fast money starts right now after a major market rally. The Fed and earnings sparking joy on Wall Street. The Dow up more than 400 points today, closing right around 25,000 again. But top strategist Mike Wilson says it is a trap. He'll be here to explain. Trap or not, that massive move followed by a huge night of earnings, nearly $2 trillion at stake as Facebook, Microsoft, Tesla, PayPal, Visa, Qualcomm, and more reporting moments ago. We've got everyone standing by ready to cover the action. Julia Borson's outside of Facebook headquarters. Josh Lipton's all over Microsoft. Phil LeBeau's getting ready to jump on the Tesla call. And Deirdre Bosa is watching both Visa and PayPal. And if that wasn't enough, Fast Money friend Gene Munster is here with the double red phone. He's on Facebook right now, and he'll be jumping on the Tesla call as well. We'll check in with him in just a moment. But first, let's start off here with the biggest mover in the after-hour session. That would be Facebook. The stock is up by about 8% after a massive beat, despite all the controversy surrounding the social media giant. Is it safe? To buy Facebook once again, is this a sign that Fang is, is back? Well, before we talk about Fang is back, I will say that I have the tiger along with Abracadabra. Is the and worst song ever? Is that? I'm uh, in your head. Yeah. Survivor, yeah. Rocky Three, Drago. Was Awful it? Oh, music. Drago. Terrible you know music. Anyway, I, I tell you what, I oh, think Apollo four. Creed is coming after you right now. I'm so glad just we're get on with. Let's talk earnings, Facebook. It is a big night, and we should talk about the market. And let me be, and let me point this out. When the S&P was 25.30, 150 or so S&P points go. That's where I thought it would top out, and I thought we'd test those December 24th slow. I have to say that for full disclosure. But now here we are with Facebook trading up about 8% off of earnings. You obviously saw what happened with Apple last night. So you're asking, is the FANG trade alive and well? Well, I hope Mike Wilson can say some things that can sort of clarify for me because I've been wrong. This quarter was good, but the problems that Facebook faces, and I think Tim would agree with this, they have not gone away. If anything, they've gotten worse. But what I think the market told you last night with Apple, which was a good quarter, not a great uh -huh. quarter, with iPhones now down 15% year over year, guiding lower revenues year over year. I mean, sequential decline in revenue growth. Market is saying, you know what? Valuation suggests the worst is over and the market's going higher. Well, valuation in Facebook is, is not easy uh, to to push around. In other words, it's a cheap stock. It's a cheap stock that's been cheap, and in fact, even before the worst of their problems, arguably traded cheap to the space. Um, some of the comps got pretty easy for them for this quarter. The time spent comp is, is something that actually is not a difficult one to overcome. You're seeing some deceleration in the ad growth, but it's still a very strong quarter, uh, and to me, is going to come down to how they can guide on both OPEX, CAPEX, profitability, and really if they've got a handle on their core business. That's been my point all along. Well, you can make the argument, though, that they actually pulled a pretty good trick here. 
here. So they guided uh, EPS, they guided earnings down because of operating expenses going up the way they were. And they came, expectations got so low. OPEX got so high. And here we are. We're expecting 2019 to be flat year over year. And earnings are down a little bit. And we can all agree on a $60 billion revenue number. If they're able to move those expenses now, this is going to be a profitable company growing again, trading in the high teens multiple. And, so, and that's, that speaks yeah. to, not to cut you off, yeah. but that speaks to positioning. So Facebook was uh, absurdly positioned, uh-huh. and now you have uh, Microsoft and Tesla, which have been expected to do okay during this print. They're down. So it's all positioning coming in here. So let me get this straight in terms of the Facebook story specifically. You think that the problems are not necessarily over. The, the notion that it needs to spend a lot more to deal with these problems, that's not put aside at this point. But because the sentiment was so bad, stock got knocked down so much, the valuation got so reasonable, that it's okay. Look, it's okay we, for right now, at least. We forgot that this is arguably one of the most com- profitable companies in the world. Uh, but but I, I don't want to start you know, loving the stock 30% off the lows. I, I'm not jumping in to buy. It shouldn't surprise people. Um, but I do think you got to a place where the expectations on the company's core business were really thrown out the window. So um, I think Instagram is obviously a, a bright spot for these guys. I still think the jury of public perception is a headwind for them. Regulation is a headwind. Uh, the cost of their business are headwinds. And I think it should trade cheap and frankly up seven eight percent ten percent thirty percent i don't need to jump in but users and, and engagement i think that's the main issue for facebook and, and it's the it is the 800 pound gorilla in the room when you get to advertising so I, I'm, I'm with him i don't think you want to jump in when the stock is this aggressively off the lows but i think positioning was that terrible but, and i and i also believe that the market is going to sell off so I think this one's going to be Revenue taken down per along user, with the market. though, improved in this quarter. And I think that even, even though we saw growth go down, if revenue per user increases... Isn't that yeah. all you oh, and, need? And so what did we learn last week? I think Mike Isaac of New York Times talked about how they're going to kind of push all their messaging apps together here. What yeah. is that really trying to do? They're trying to figure out ways to monetize that billion-plus users on WhatsApp and all these other users that they're just not monetizing. So maybe that's payments. Maybe that's some sort of like see a customer you know, management thing with, with businesses or something like that. That's all coming. So I guess the point is we could sit here and talk about how they're getting their $60 billion. It's basically, remember what Zuck said in Congress? We run ads, Senator. That's what he said. That's what they do. There's other levers for them to pull in the future. So the question is, did you buy the stock below 140? Now it's 160. Are you going to get another shot? Probably. But it's the sort of thing that if you can think out 10 years and you say to yourself, these guys have such a huge advantage over almost every other platform in this space, then you start picking up this sort of thing down 40% from its all-time highs. I mean, it's a massive secular thing that was a decade old now, and it's going to be two decades old, and they're still going to be in the top. You remember this. I know you remember this because okay, you remember okay. everything. You everything. Mind like a steel trap. Well, trap. July conference call for Facebook. Yes. That was quite July conference uh, call. a the volatile st- moment. For yeah, the, the stock. stock traded down 24.3% in about eight minutes, if memory serves. We were all sitting here. I think Pete was over where Tim was sitting yeah. that night. And it was a ridiculous move to the downside. If you're suggesting you see that again, I'm not sure. But it's a point well taken that if something like that can happen in Facebook once, Who's to say it won't happen again? This is how, well, you know, I look at this Stock's quarter and say this. still below that level, by the way. It is still below that level. It was like it was 163 or so. But I'll say this. If people haven't fleed Facebook in the last 11 months. Not a word. Fled. 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 Fled from Facebook. But we understand what you're saying. Over the last 11 months, when are they going to do it? Either it's too hard to delete your account or people are just too wrapped up in it. Yeah. 
How about the other movers in the after-hour session? MAGA? Microsoft. Should we do a little Microsoft? I know the, you're the dying to. MAGA? You are dying to pull out your hat. Well, here, here's a, this is actually a great <laughs> juxtaposition. Here's a stock that actually has underperformed year-to-date. Some of these other stocks that got hit much harder off of their highs. Um, but it's really only about 6 8 8% or so from those all-time highs, but it was trading about 24 times. I mean, you think about it, so here's a, a name that actually has really tough comps. Um, trading 24 times, you say very rich to the market, rich to a lot of its mega cap tech peers, um, price to perfection. So if they don't nail this, if it's not a beat and raise and people don't see in the areas where they want to see it, Office 365 and Azure, the thing's not going much higher. I mean, it's not, it's, it doesn't it's have the ability the to The high go. growth, high margin businesses that did so well in the second half of last year. Right. And we're going into a year where if you believe that economic growth is going to be challenged around the world and you've got a high bar to meet or exceed in the second half of this year, those things coincide. It's not a good timing for Microsoft. But if you look at Azure, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Azure, whatever. Whatever. Uh, if you look at it a couple of years ago, it was 5%. And now you're up to, you know, just under 30%. So I think they're going the right direction. They are the hybrid cloud play. They're the one to catch up to, or they're the one to try to beat, or they're the, the benchmark. Mm-hmm. So I think ultimately you'll be okay here. Today it was just over expectations. Well, I mean, we need to see some visibility from them in a world that's possibly has weaker IT spending. And also cloud has certainly been a place that's under some pressure. They actually just raised prices last quarter in terms of server products. And we now need to see, um, is, is that inelastic? We really don't know yet. And I think if you listen to everybody else that's reported to them that has some major exposure to cloud, and especially commoditized cloud, it hasn't been a great story to tell. Um, so I, I don't know if that, that dust is cleared today. Uh, and, and yes, I mean, think about Apple, think about all the stocks over the last couple of days that have really outperformed AMD, um, they've been outperforming because of the expectations. This is no surprise. They were very, very low. I think with Microsoft, this was an absolutely fine quarter. This company still continues to be probably the class of the tech space right now because of the consistency of their business model. It's a very smooth approach. I mean, they've got a very predictable revenue stream right now, and that's what I think the market wants to pay for. You know, it's not really moving in the after hour session relative to itself and how it typically moves in the after hour session. Tesla. I'm in your head. Plus or minus 10% is the average move for this stock, and it's down 2%. Right. I would talk to the, the OA guy, because didn't Why? you do an options action on Tesla? That was the other old guy, Co, but go for it, buddy. No, no you, you can. I'm, <laughs> I am put in surprised. Time on Come on, give no, it a but shot. But I'm surprised, to your point, I'm surprised the stock, given the environment we find ourselves in, I'm surprised the stock is in the range it's in. Look, again, I think you find yourself in no man's land here. The stock has basically vacillated between 250 and 360 or so over the last two and a half, three years. That's where it is. If you're in the middle of it now. So in my opinion, you're flipping a coin. I'd wait for it to trade lower to buy it. I wouldn't do anything don't here. Don't you think we, they got a, sorry, don't you think they got a, a break, though, when we, this whole Saudi Arabia story, when that was, I know we've talked about it, but to me, the more and more you read about that, where that was supposed to be the lifeline, and now they've totally hedged their foreign change position in the name. That, to me, speaks volumes on the growthiness of Tesla. Why well, hedge w- if you're a real believer? Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, for more on Facebook and Tesla earnings, let's bring in Fast Money friend and Loop Ventures founder, Gene Munster. So, Gene, a lot to choose. And let's start off with Facebook. Why do you think the stock's up so much? Uh, it's up because expectations were so low. There were a lot of people like me who are doubters on the Facebook story. And I think if you look at the quarter, it was quite impressive, in particular around the user growth numbers, up 9% year over year in the face of what Dan was talking about, those tough delete Facebook campaigns. That really is something that uh, Facebook can feel good about, that their user growth is sustainable. And second is advertisers really have no place to go. It's this is the only platform that has scale and the targetability of ads. And so you see that in the ARPU, the revenue per user increasing that. I think that is evidence that advertisers have nowhere to go. 
I do want to draw that line between uh, the quarter and the company longer term because I think that we're still not out of the clear here. In particular, they will talk on the call, which is just getting going, about a change in their ad units. They talked about this last quarter, going from news feed to stories, which are harder to monetize, and separately what's going to happen around regulation. And so uh, fundamentally, I think that we're, we haven't reached an inflection point on the positive side on the Tesla story, but they did a great job in the face of, uh, of a lot of headwinds in the September quarter. So even though everything, the metrics looked good, Gene, the jury is still out as to whether or not in their switch to stories uh, more so than from news feeds that, that you'll get the same sort of ad sell-through rate because there are fewer ads in stories versus the news feed, correct? That's exactly right, Melissa, is that stories, they basically took a page, uh, unapologetically took a page from Snapchat here. Facebook did, and the stories product is, doesn't have as long of a shelf life. It disappears after a day. And so, yes, that's harder to monetize. And Zuckerberg recognizes that Facebook fundamentally, the part about comparing yourself to others does not make the world a better place. So they're trying to steer towards more uh, enlightening engagements. And stories tends to be between friends and family. And so that's why they're going for this. So I think it's important that investors recognize that at the core, at the top, Facebook wants to push a product that the monetization is still, uh, is still clearly lower than their current bread and butter newsfeed. Mm-hmm. What do you make of Tesla so far, Gene? Uh, I think the market's got this wrong, is that uh, Tesla, this is probably an example where if you look at the quarter, it wasn't, didn't seem to be that great, but I think it lays the foundation for this company reaching escape velocity, which means that they can ride this EV curve. And I think the two most encouraging points were on Model 3 gross margin, the second consecutive quarter above 20%. That's the key. 75% of Tesla units next year are going to be Model 3. They need to do that profitably, and that was important. I think that the second piece is that demand overall for Model 3, despite this increase in competition, continues to do well. They've opened up some new markets with China and Europe, and that seems to be on pace. And the guide down in March was more related to in-transit vehicles. It takes about five or seven weeks to get cars over those markets. And so it's less about any issue with demand on that, on that, on that punky guide. It's more about uh, just the logistics of moving these cars around. So I was very encouraged. I suspect the stock will will ultimately trade higher over the next few days. What's your biggest question on this call, which starts uh, 15 minutes or so? Uh, biggest question on the, the Tesla call is them trying to uh, really get down to the U.S. piece of demand. We know the global demand's great, how that tax uh, impact is, that tax effect has impacted that. And also I'm going to be listening if we get any hints to that Model Y. The SUV category is one of the hottest categories uh, along with uh, what the, there's three things most of the third is when we're going to see that $35,000 price. That is when uh, this Tesla story really gets moving is when that $35,000 Model 3 is available. All right, Gene, we'll check in with you a little bit later on in the show. Um, what's your reaction based on what, what Gene has said about either of these names? Well, he started out by saying he thinks the streets got it wrong, wrong. on Tesla. And I, I just don't see it. You know, I, I just don't see that Model 3 ever being $35,000. I don't see, I see this company as a recession away from being uh, desperate to secure funding for whatever they can do. I, you know, listen, they make great cars. He's a great entrepreneur. They're doing a lot of interesting things. If you think holistically about what they're doing, I just don't buy the story anymore. And I don't like the fact that before this guy down, he's out last week talking about critical profitability, all that sort of stuff. It just, just stinks to me. So I don't know 
how shareholders feel good about the messaging that we get from this company, and it seems to change quite often. Well, that, um, nothing new on that. Um, I, I'd say, look, we've had a lot of news and a lot of data points out of Tesla over the last two months, um, and some of it on deliveries have been good, but you know, we've gotten some, some issues in terms of demand, we've gotten some issues in terms of staffing, some, some pressure in terms of the business model, and, and it doesn't surprise me from 380 to 280 that we're trading near the bottom of that range. All right, we'll see if we get any answers on that call, which again starts in about 15 minutes. Full coverage of all the big earnings calls, by the way, that are kicking off throughout the hour. We'll bring you all the latest headlines. Plus, a massive day for the markets. The Dow surging 400 points after earnings this morning came in strong, and then the Fed gave the green light to Wall Street. But top strategist Mike Wilson says this rally is a trap. He'll be here to explain why he is calling the bulls dangerous animals. So we're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to FAST. The Federal Reserve holding steady today as Fed Chair Jerome Powell telling Wall Street what it wanted to hear, which sent stocks soaring. Our senior economics reporter Steve Leisman joins us now live from the Federal Reserve in Washington, D.C. with more on that. Steve, it was it was like a, a bull's dream here, what the Christmas. Fed said. Yeah, or, or a dovish dream. Look, after they just hiked six weeks ago, this is a sweeping policy reversal, giving the doves everything they were looking for. I don't know, maybe some things they weren't looking for they got in this thing. The Fed in the policy statement kept rates unchanged, said it would be, quote-unquote, patient in considering further hikes and removed from the statement language that telegraphed further rate increases ahead. <clears throat> Growth has slowed in some major foreign economies, particularly China and Europe. There is elevated uncertainty around several unresolved government policy issues, including Brexit, ongoing trade negotiations, and the effects from the partial government shutdown in the United States. Financial conditions tightened considerably late in 2018 and remain less supportive of growth. Now, analysts took the new policy pronouncement from the Fed to mean it is on hold for at least six months, pending more clarity in the economic outlook. The Fed even said its plans to reduce the $4 trillion balance sheet described just last month as on autopilot. We're up for consideration if the economy weakens. Economist Joe Brasuelas at RSM called it, quote, a strategic retreat. Ian Shepardson said it was about as dovish a statement as possible. And Powell said the Fed could take its time now because inflation is muted, along with lower oil prices, which are, should keep inflation that way. So here's what's unclear. If the fears of the weaker growth that gripped the markets proved to be transitory, will the Fed double back again to talk about further rate hikes later this year? Or is the Fed poised for a more permanent patience? Uh, guys, I just got the Bank of America note on the FOMC meeting today, and it said the hawks have left the building. I think it certainly seems like that, although you've got to wonder, Steve, if we're just going to be back, in, back to square one in terms of the market thinking if we get a China trade deal um, right. or something that will yeah. theoretically boost growth. And then we're going to be right. back in the cycle where the Fed's back in play and the markets retreat or, or right. feel like there's a lid we're, on them. 
No, but I, I think I think the markets need to stabilize here. I, I think you know I think there's two things that probably spook the the Fed here: the magnitude of the decline in markets back in December, but also as you remember, Melissa, it was not a pleasant way it went down. Right? These were, you know, incredible moves that raised questions about what exactly is going on in the markets. I think they need to see a little bit of clarity in the outlook. I, I do think they want to be a little bit higher from here, but I don't think they feel like they have to get there very fast. All right. Steve, thank you so much. Steve Leitzman, uh, live from the Fed for us. So was this the green light that Wall Street was waiting for across it? What do you think? No, I don't think so. But I think it's, once again, it gets back to a macro positioning. I, I don't understand where Powell said there was zero inflation in August. Then there was inflation in October. Now there's zero inflation yet again. So I do believe those, the spigots that were turned on can turn off. I think that QT is a- ambiguous at best in his explanation. So I don't think that this is the all clear sign for the market. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't agree with it um, in terms of someone that's following Fed policy and thinks the Fed needs to do some tough love. But this was absolutely all clear. I mean, to me, they, they got out of the way. They basically said, we're also, you know, we're not on autopilot on the balance sheet. Um, they, they basically told you that the economy is in really good shape. But now we're letting financial conditions in the form of really the stock market affect how we're going to manage policy. Yeah. That's, the Fed is basically stuck back into easy money. And if you're an investor right now, while they're doing that, it's a green light. And frankly, I think it's all about the Fed. I don't think this is about trade. I, I think I think what's bothered the market, and we've now had a V in the stock market. It's been a V-shaped recovery. It's not a W, it's a V. And that's based upon the Fed was the one who overstepped their bounds and now is completely hit in the corner. This was the put, right? I mean, this was the Powell put. In theory, if, the, if you're a participant in the markets and you've seen what has gone on, you think to yourself, hey, you know what? We throw a tantrum in response to what the Fed may or may not do, and the Fed backs off. And you know totally. what that is? That's a put. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, again, I could be 100% wrong, but I'll say this anyway. I think raising rates strengthens the economy. Might weaken the stock market, but it puts us on more stable footing. You know, being accommodative, all it does is make asset prices go higher, but it's built in sand, which is, might be fine if you're in, in playing the stock market, but for the long term, it's not particularly well, good. Well, and Mel, let me tell you something, because we've been doing an options show for, what, 10 years now? 10 years. Ten it's years. been 10 years. What do puts cost? They cost money, like Dr. Uh, Wonderful likes to say, okay? And when you're paying money <laughs> to buy... That's for you. Yeah, Mr. Wonderful. Oh, yeah. sorry. They cost, they, you pay money for puts, right? Yeah. And it's insurance, yeah. it's protection. Right, right. It's and it's so the more you use that, it's, it's, you're lessening your return profile every single time, right? There's a little slippage. So to me, I just don't love hearing that about a put because sooner or later, the chickens are going to come home to roost. All right, our next guest of today's rally was a trap. Do not trust it. Let's bring in Mike Wilson, Chief U.S. Equity Strategist at Morgan Stanley. Mike, always good to see you. Thanks for having me. Why a trap? Well, I mean, trap is a strong word, but look, I think that the, look, let's, talk, let's back up a month. OK, so first of all, the beginning of the year, there was true value offered everywhere. Right. We overshot to the downside. Uh, I think everybody, including ourselves, were calling for a bounce. The question is, what do you do after the bounce? And we thought twenty six fifty was a pretty good level to think about, you know, lightening up. And we've overshot that now. But the three reasons we rallied since since January is one, uh, Powell first sounded dovish at that meeting on January 4th. That was the pivot. That was the real pivot. Today was the confirmation of everything that's been kind of going on. The second reason was we were massively oversold and there was true value in the marketplace. And the third one is this hope around trade potentially getting resolved. Okay, But in the background, what's actually going on is that the earnings situation is terrible. Okay? I mean, we've been doing this for 25 years. I can tell you the earnings revision breath right now is some of the worst that we have seen ever. Okay, and it's telling us that the earnings cycle is actually rolling over even harder than we were thinking 
six months ago, and as all of you know, we were the, probably the first ones talking about an earnings recession. So we have to see the earnings revision breath trough out for this to have an extension to it. So when I say it's a trap, I mean, this is a bad entry point. The good entry point was January. We've had a nice bounce. Some of the stocks obviously made lows, but I, I can almost be assured, I can assure you that there are going to be stocks that retest those lows and break them. And I'd be shocked if we don't have at least a 50% retracement of the full move, which at which point we probably would get bullish. So when you say the earnings revision, breath, I mean, you're, you're, the notion that analysts got it wrong going into 2019 in terms of what their estimates for 2019 earnings would be. But that happens every single, it's much, much worse this year. It happens every oh, yeah. single year. And the degree of the downturn in December was such that I don't know if analysts are going to jump out there and, and actually revise lower at the end of 2019. They're yeah. going to wait until the season. So well, it almost two, seems yeah. like it's like, of course, that's the, that's, that's the way it would happen. Well, two things. First of all, the market did overshoot. And, you know, we wrote about this, too. It actually priced in an earnings recession in December. But now that we're 300 points handle or 300 handles higher, we're not pricing in that earnings recession anymore the way we were. Um, it, the revisions are absolutely happening in a different fashion than normal. And you're right. Normally, we come into the year and the numbers have to come, come down gradually over time. But these revisions are actually happening for fundamental reasons. They're missing on sales. They're missing on margins. They're lowering expectations, not just because of trade concerns or because right. of the Fed. They're because their businesses are slowing down. And that's a real, that's a real change. So, so, Mike, if we are in this late cycle period right now and we talk about the Fed taking their foot off the pedal here, we have Fed funds at you know, between two and a quarter, two and a half. We have the 10-year Treasury yield at 2.67 today, breaking this uptrend from the 2016 lows. What does that say about where we are in the cycle? And, you know, and uh, see, I disagree with said. Tim. But, because Tim keeps saying that it's all about trade, and I think it has a lot to no, do I with the Fed. No, I didn't. I said it's all about the Fed. Okay. Well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my view is it's about a lot of these things. But the thing that I'm focused on now is about the business cycle and the earnings cycle because that's what's not priced, okay? We got the boost from the Fed. We got the boost from Hope on Trade. We were oversold. There was true value. There's real things to buy. But the reality is we have to complete this earnings down cycle. And that won't be done probably until the springtime or June. Now, stocks will discount that. But at 2650, 2700, we're not discounting the continued risk that we see in the revision still. Mike, great to have you with us. Thanks, Thank thanks you. for having me. Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley. Um, let's move on. We're going to take a break. Take a break. Okay. Take a pause. Yes, yeah, what no, we do. You know what? Because we have... Oh, I thought we were going to go to Jim Cramer right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's trade this first. All right, let's go to Cramer. We got a Cramer alert. That's what I wanted to do in the first place. Jim, join us for the Mad Money Studio. Jim, what do you make of the Fed in today's market rally? Uh, they listened. Uh, they saw exactly what Mr. Wilson was just saying, which is that things were slowing down, and they decided they didn't want to be a part of the reason why the late cycle turned into the no cycle. So I think they did the good thing. I'm not so sure that I want to call it a put. I think they looked at what's going on around the world. They looked at what's going on in some key industries. They looked at what's going on uh, with some of these earnings, and they said, you know what? We don't need to do anything right now. Maybe our job's done for now. Let's be patient. That seems like, to me, a very prudent position to take. Uh, patience seems to be a virtue, and we'll be fine. I, I'm not nearly as, I don't think we'll get a 50% retracement. I, I don't think things are, I think things were worse, and now they've gotten better, and I don't think we're going to see that, uh, that Christmas Eve low again. That was a really nasty flash crash, basically. You know, uh, Jim, when you take a look at Fed Funds futures and you, and you talk to basically people who are in the markets, there is a belief that there will be no further rate actions at all for 2019. I'm not sure that the Fed is quite there. I don't think that they say or they think pause equals end 
uh, to what they're doing. But do you see the, uh, that there could be a risk in terms of market volatility because there is still a gap between what the markets think and what the Fed will continue to, to broadcast? Well, if the economy speeds up again, I hope they tighten. Uh, I just didn't want them to tighten into uh, what was clearly a deceleration. We get an acceleration, and I hope they do uh, uh, put on another rate increase. That is the kind of good rate increase, uh, increase that Guy was talking about. When we see that kind of uh, economy build up the head of steam again, that's the time for them to take action. And I would applaud that. I think that that shows us that we are a stable, strong economy. We're not right now, but maybe we will be. All right. I'm sure you have a lot more on this in your show. But what else is on? Oh, my. I'm so excited. We got Domino's, which I think is one of the great stories of all time. Don't forget Super Bowl this weekend. I'll forget it because it's the Patriots. AEP, (laughs) fantastic judge. They were the first to tell us that there was a slowdown in the economy. Let's see what they have to say. And then we have ServiceNow. Uh, NOW, I don't know that. Oh, that stock's only up 23. Uh, It's kind of rivaling Facebook. A lot of stocks up 23. Yep. Jim, we look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank Great you. to Let see you. Jim Cramer. And don't, watch, don't forget to watch Mad Money. That's 6 o'clock tonight, right after Fast. Still ahead, we're all over the After Hours Action. Facebook obsession highs after CEO Mark Zuckerberg gives investors a major vote of confidence in the earnings call. We will tell you what he just said that sent the stock soaring. It's up 11.5% right now. Plus, we are moments away from the start of Microsoft and Tesla's calls. We'll bring you the very latest. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. Much more Fast Money right after this. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert in the payment space. PayPal is sinking while Visa jumps. Deidre Bose is in San Francisco with Wall Street reaction to both those reports. Deidre. Melissa, a tale of two payments companies. And analysts are focusing in on growth in payments volumes for both of them. Visa saw purchase volume growth of 11%. This is a number that Lisa Ellis at Moffitt Nathanson calls perfect, reflecting a stable macroeconomic environment. A few other analysts said that Visa results were better than feared and also noted that the macro picture has held up well for the company. PayPal, on the other hand, disappointed investors with its total payment volume, or TPV, even though this number grew at 23 percent in the quarter, double the pace of visas. Keep in mind, PayPal is valued higher than Visa on a PE basis, so expectations here are much higher. Now, John Davis at Raymond James says that PayPal TPV metric is all that really matters, and key will be any update on Venmo monetization on the call. We did just hear something on that. CEO Dan Schulman 
uh, to analysts said that pay with Venmo, this is how they're monetizing the P2B app, is attracting new partners, including Shopify, Hulu, and Jay-Z's title music. He also said that the total number of Venmo users that have made a monetizable transaction on the platform is now 29%. The company also says that Venmo payment volumes surpassed eBay volumes in the second half of the year. So eBay is becoming a smaller and smaller part of the PayPal picture. Venmo and other merchants are picking up the slack, but perhaps not fast enough. Melissa? All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa in San Francisco. Um, you've liked PayPal, Dan. Yeah, so we talked about this last week. This is one of the first stocks, I think, in the, the S&P 100 to make a new all-time high since the sell-off in, uh, you know, from the highs uh, a few months ago. So to me, expectations are already high. The stock was up 10%. Obviously, Deirdre just said this is a stock trading 32 times. It's got twice the growth in some key areas that something like Visa has, and that's why investors will continue to pay for it. So down 4 5 6% or something, just consolidating around here. So to me, I think this is one of the those secular stories that you want to be in. And she just mentioned something, the pay with uh, Venmo button yeah. inside these websites. That's a really, really important growth driver. This has been a problem for them because they've been growing like a beast. So they grew EPS last time around 26%. They grew revenues, they net revenues by 14% last time around. So you're sort of a, a product of your own success. Now, the flip side of that is Visa. If the world is slowing, 11.3 billion is their number internationally. 9.3 billion is here. So I would be afraid of that. I would be a seller of Visa here. Yeah. I think on PayPal, now around 290 a share for 2019. This stock's 30 times. For the kind of growth, Venmo grew almost 80% last quarter. That kind of growth to me is something that is, is far from peaking. And if anything, we're seeing that the monetization efforts within that are things that are catalysts for the stock. So I would, if I would rather, and I'm not starting my own so game would here, you rather, you I would are, rather though, own PayPal over Visa, Melissa. All right, while we're doing this, Guy, what do you think? Would you rather? Are we doing the game? Yeah. PayPal Visa? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go the other way. And I'll, say, and I'll say Visa, and I'll say it because this quarter, I think people are expecting a disappointing quarter. They didn't get it. Operating margins hung in there, 67.5%. You got low double-digit growth, trades at 22 times forward earnings. Market's willing to pay for that. It'll run into trouble at 145. But I think it's going to take a shot at the all-time high, which I think was either side of 150. Is it right. implied we were playing the game? When you, there's two stocks I can choose. It's not implied. And I'm starting yes. them. And I, if, if I don't ask you the question, the game is not I, officially played. If you bring implied. yourself into a game, then yeah, sure, the game is played. Anyway, I want to move on because Facebook in the after-hour session, session highs of 12.5%. So let's check in with Gene Munster, who's been listening in on that call. Gene, why is the stock up so much? Uh, the stock's up because they gave guidance on the call. Uh, they do, do not do that in the press release, and they essentially reiterated where the street was at for March and for fiscal uh, 19. Also talked about the expense structure essentially in line. Separately, Sheryl Sandberg said they now have two million advertisers now using stories. Recall that is the new ad unit that is not as profitable, but she gave some room for optimism saying that the engagement right now is very high. They have a long way to go to bridge that monetization gap, but she's encouraged. Gene, it sounds like, I mean, are, are you becoming a convert to the Facebook story? I mean, I, I know you're skeptical going in and you think longer term there are some uh, not a convert. Um, I still fundamentally believe the world does not need Facebook. I believe that Facebook will be along as long as I'm alive. I'm 50 years old. It will outlive Gene Munster, certainly. But I just don't, I think that companies like that, that have uh, a business model that they have, I think uh, fundamentally are gonna, their best days are behind it. So I would just quickly mention, too, is uh, Elon Musk just said we're, we're doing two calls at the same time here. He just came out and said that they expect 50% uh, uh, unit growth in 2019. 
even with tough economic times. So that's in line with the street. I don't think anybody's going to believe him, but he couldn't come out of the gates being more positive than he is. 50% unit growth in 2019, meaning what is the total, what is the total units to be sold? And that, how does that compare? Uh, basically to deliveries, 50% oh, delivery growth in, in 2019, essentially in line with the street. But that comment, even with tough economic times, I think, again, investors won't believe him because they really shouldn't. But I uh, just want to lay the groundwork that he is uh, being uh, exponentially bullish, at least at the start of the Tesla call. All right. Gene, thanks surprise. for filling us in. Uh, that stock, by the way, has paired its after hours uh, session losses. It's now down by one and a quarter percent. Um, we'll check back with Gene in just a few minutes. In the meantime, let's take a look at uh, Tesla. We mentioned uh, CEO Elon Musk has been known to shock the street. We'll continue listening to this call to see if there are any other uh, shocking headlines coming out of this call, anything that could move the stock. Plus, we're watching Microsoft. It's lower in the after hour session. That call got underway. Uh, we will bring you the latest headlines. Much more fast money on this very busy night. Welcome back to Fast Money Facebook. Right now at session highs in the after hour session. CEO Mark Zuckerberg speaking on the company's earnings call just moments ago. Julia Borson's at Facebook headquarters to tell us what he said. Hey, Julia. Melissa, Facebook shares soaring as Zuckerberg reassured investors after a year of scandals. And he also laid out the areas where he's focusing now. Take a listen. My approach here is to, to listen to the critique first, uh, to work on addressing our issues, figure out what we believe are the most important principles to uphold, and then go engage in the debate. And I feel like we've come out of 2018 not only making real progress on important issues, but having a clearer sense of what we believe are the right ways to move forward. Now, we're still going to make mistakes along the way, but we now have a clearer sense of the path ahead. Zuckerberg, as well as CEO Sheryl Sandberg, talking about the opportunity they see in the stories format, saying that now has 500 million daily active users with 2 million advertisers investing in that stories format. Sandberg announcing that they now have 7 million total advertisers also talking about how they see a huge opportunity in building commerce on their platforms, as well as sharing the fact that their video platform Watch, which has more valuable premium ad formats, is starting to take off. Now, on the downside, Facebook CFO David Weiner warning that revenue growth will be decelerating over the course of the year, including in the first quarter. He did leave expense growth for the year unchanged at 40 to 50 percent over 2018 expenses. Guys, back over to you. All right. Thank you, Julia. Julia Borston at Facebook headquarters for us. What's this do to the tech trade in tomorrow's session, do you think, Guy? Well, that's not going to hurt it. I mean, that's pretty clear. I mean, what does it do to the tech trade? It's every rising tide lifts all boats. So, I mean, when and the good days, everything gets dragged up, whether it should be or not. And the bad days, you see it to the downside. Again, you know, it's, what's amazing to me is a year of bad headlines for Facebook, and then they basically didn't lose a single user. That's mystifying to me. And you have Apple talking smack about Facebook. Nothing seems to matter. I think it's ahead of its skis. I thought that at 153, though. It, it is amazing to think that that in terms of the impact on advertisers, nobody has fled this platform. Yeah. After so, all of that, basically, well, advertisers still go to Facebook, and it's being borne well, out by Gene, the Gene by Monster the made a great point. I mean, there, there's, there's not a lot of places to go. Look, the social media space, there's a crowding out. And for investors as well, let's be clear, where can you place dollars that are actually, you know, basically geared towards the new media? And, and that's one of the reasons why people want to believe in Facebook. I, I, a couple of these headlines, though, shouldn't be that exciting. One of them is privacy concerns continue to be a headwind to growth. The other one is that actually expense uh, growth is going to essentially match revenue growth. 
growth. And is that, I don't know. Well, I, I would just make one right. other point. So next week, Twitter's going to um, report. And, you know, they had 9 million uh, daily active user decline in that last quarter. And that was something that actually investors didn't care. The stock rallied a lot. But it's been really stuck in a range. I think the same issues that people are worried about for Facebook, that they're going to have expenses, uh, you know, combating some of the same stuff. Um, you know, that's going to be really important with Twitter um, next week. But, you know, listen, I, I think the point is, is like there are very few places to go. And, and Twitter is expected to actually finally have a, a significant double-digit revenue increase year over year after they contracted last year. So that could be one to look at next week. All right. And do not miss Julia's interview with Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg streaming on CNBC.com. That is tonight, 6, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, let's see where we stand right now with some of the other earnings movers that we're tracking for you as we head to break. Tesla, as we mentioned, Ooh, uh, down 1.5%. Microsoft, though, is down 3 and 3 quarters percent. We'll bring you all the headlines that are moving those stocks as we are about 14 minutes in on both of those conference calls. Plus, Amazon is the next fame name to report tomorrow, and traders are betting the stock could see a huge move. We got all the details. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Amazon is higher on the back of the Facebook earnings tonight. That's stock reports earnings tomorrow. The options market is implying a pretty hefty move here. So, Dan, why don't you break down the action? Yeah, so it's implying about a $95 move in either direction. It's about 5.5%. Um, you know, on average, over the last four quarters, the stock has moved uh, about 3.75%. Obviously, last October, um, they guided revenues down below consensus, and the stock had a big down day. Look at that one-year chart. Um, bang it up right against that downtrend that's been in place over the last three, four months since that earnings disappointment in October. Big level here. If they guide revenues down again, it gets rejected at that line and it's going lower. All right. For more options action, check out the full show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, Tesla skidding in the after-hour session. Uh, that stock is down 1.4%. G Monster is listening to the call right now. He'll tell us the one thing investors are missing about this quarter. Plus, Microsoft taking a hit after a big earning, uh, revenue miss. We'll hear from the CEO in just a few minutes. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square outside. It's Much freezing. more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Microsoft falling in the after-hour session. The company conference call is underway right now. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco with more. Hey, Josh. So, Mel, uh, Microsoft investors obviously make a beeline for that company's commercial cloud business. CEO Satya Nadella hit that right off the top of the call. Take a listen. Our commercial cloud revenue grew 48%, anchored by Azure revenue growth of 76%. These results speak to us picking the right secular trends in large and growing markets, many of which are still in their infancy, as well as focused innovation and execution. Now, Melly, uh, Sachin talked about Azure, talked about the partners there, Kroger, Gap, MasterCard, BlackRock, recently Walgreens as well. I had the chance to speak to uh, Evercore's Kirk Matern quickly about the quarter. He liked what he saw with uh, the commercial cloud segment. He did, though, point to some metrics that he said might have disappointed. Just for example, he brought up Windows OEM revenue being down 5%, uh, what device makers pay Microsoft to, to license the operating system. No guidance yet on this call, but CFO Amy Hood is on the call, and we'll bring those numbers when we get them. Mel, back to you. No guidance yet. Okay, that's something to look for. Josh, thank you. Josh Lipton in San Francisco. The stock is uh, in after our session. Lows right now down 4%. Guy, what do you think? MAGA, that's one of the TM, right, Dan? I, I think this. Really operating catchy. margins came in in line, 31.6%. EPS was fine. Slight miss on revenue. And they're getting punished, maybe, because people are looking at valuation and say maybe it's gotten ahead of itself. 
I think this. I think the quarter was fine. My sense is you probably buy this weakness. Really quick though, this is breaking a pattern of substantial beats for this company. So for what it's worth, uh, again, you know, flat is yeah. not good enough for this company. It's exactly why the stock's performing the way it is. And the headwinds might be mounting in the second Steve, half of the Azure. year. Azure. 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 As, as the CEO it, it got, said on the call. As guys just said, it got way ahead of itself. I think it was a favor for such a long time. I think at this point, you take profits. It's not lining up with tailwinds. All right, down uh, more than 4% right now. Let's get a quick check on Tesla, which is lower in the after-hour session. Not by much when you compare it to how it's moved in the past after earnings. It's down by one and three quarters percent. Elon Musk is speaking on the call right now. We'll tell you what he just said about China right after this. Welcome back to Fast. Uh, we've got an earnings alert on Tesla, which is down, as we mentioned before, in the after-hour session. Phil Abos in Chicago with more. Phil. Melissa, a lot of questions about what is the plan in terms of production in China and how they're going to be ramping that up. Here's what Elon Musk said a few minutes ago about their plan for production in China. Those factories going to go up like lightning. So we, we do feel uh, quite confident at this point. Uh, at least for the factors that are in our control, that we can achieve volume production in Shanghai by the end of the year. Um, and and, uh, and that's, that should allow us to get to the 10,000 vehicles a week rate or very close to it. And let's do the math there. They are projecting that if they can get to 10,000 per week globally between Fremont and China, perhaps by the end of the year or Q2 of 2020, Melissa, they're saying that they will have an annualized production for the Model 3 of a half million vehicles a year. Mm. We know how people feel about Elon's projections, but that's what he said just a few minutes ago on the conference call. I understand, Phil, that he also slipped in talk of a pickup truck maybe sometime this summer. Sometime this summer, they will unveil it. He says it'll be quite unique, unlike anything we've seen before. Uh, let's see if they actually do go forward with that unveil of the pickup truck. Uh, it, you know, really, we haven't even seen the Model Y. So we're, we're, we've got a lot of people who are excited about the, the pickup truck, um, but the Model Y is going to be the next priority after right. they continue expanding Model 3. Right. Okay. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau in Chicago. Let's quickly check in with Gene Munster. So, Gene, what's your grade for Tesla? Um, Melissa, again, me a little tight spot because I'm in the middle of asking a question on the call here. But the simple takeaway is Elon is very optimistic. I think investors are having a tough time believing his optimism. If you take it at face value about their demand equation for the next two years, the pickups come in this summer, uh, at least in the unveil, it's, it's, uh, and profitably. I think that it's uh, pretty room for optimism for the next year and two years. All right. Well, let's get back to the call, Gene. Sorry to interrupt. Um, Gene Munster, back our of the thanks line to now. Him. I know. I feel, I mean, it's, you know, this call is a really important <laughs> call when it comes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. He's still talking. That's good is. news. All right. So, so what do you, what do you think, Guy? I think this, look, I think at 300 or 302, wherever it is now, I think you're smack in the middle of a very established range over the last two and a half years. So at this level, you're flipping a coin. I'll say again, I'd rather wait for the pullback somewhere between 260 and 280 to buy it than to flip a coin here. All right. You know, it's interesting because we were talking about positioning. Sentiment on this stock has really changed. Not too long ago, if Tesla came out with this quarter, said we're going to reach 500,000 in terms of annual production, and we're going to have a new vehicle, pickup truck in the summer, it would have ripped. So what Gene said at the beginning of the show was he thinks that the market has it wrong. I think that the market usually knows everything. They aggregate everything, all the good, all the bad. It's usually what we don't see coming 
that the market has already processed. So I would be a no touch at this point. Look, uh, this is back-to-back profitable quarters for this company. That's not lost on me. Why we listen to anything this guy says, frankly, I think it's a joke. Yeah, and he just told us how it's going to be hard to continue that level of profitability. So I just don't know why they're just not more conservative with their outlook. I think they do themselves just a, a great service. Yeah, a lot more call ahead. You can follow all the action on CNBC.com. Meantime, it is time for the final trade. Tim, what do you say? How about that? And I'm ready. Uh, EWW, look, emerging markets are at the 200-day. Mexico's underperformed. Check out Mexico as a trade. Steve Grasso. So GE is above $9. I'm still along the stock. So we've had the, the analyst, uh, Steve Tusa, has been all over this thing. He's been right thus far. He got negative this week once again. I think once the stock breaks above 10, the personality changes completely. Stay long, GE. Dan. Uh, yeah, so PayPal's down a few percent right here. Obviously, um, you know, this thing, the expectations were high. I think you get this thing in the mid-80s. That's where you want to buy it. Key. It's a tough game out there, isn't it? You know, you uh, zig when you zag, you zag when you It's very difficult. But, we, you know, we do this little thing at the smart board from time to time. You're familiar with it. Power we call it. It's called hey. the plasma, and it's called the fast pitch. But yeah. go well, on. But recently we had one, and if you look, SRPT, Sarepta, had a big day. I think that stock oh, yeah. will continue to break out to the upside. Okay, I saw that. All right, that does it for us. Thanks for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.